Well, hello, this is Andrew back with part two of episode one of People Who Suffer. This, uh, I had no idea that there was going to be a part two to episode one. When I started episode one, I just thought that I was going to rattle that off and it would be exactly what I wanted it to be. But upon completion of the first bit, I looked down and saw that I was 27 minutes into the recording and just kind of abruptly came to an end, which um, upon further listening, I realized that there were a number of things missing from episode one. So here we are with episode one, part two. And so I'm going to try to stick to kind of the idea I have in my head of the things that were missing in the first half and clarify a couple of things and really just say a few things that are going to be helpful because when it all comes down to it, that's the point behind this. I managed to find a way to take a life that was probably pretty magical, had the opportunity to be fairly magical and fairly nice. Um, aside from a few family tragedies, which I think you know, most of us go through, I really lived in something of an ideal situation. However, the idealness of the situation was greatly challenged by the way I thought about it. And that started again, as you learned in the first half, uh, at a very early age for me, I, I found myself believing that it was absolutely necessary for me to live up to this idealized view of who I thought I ought to be. And it was also um, pretty clear in looking back on my life that uh, I had uh, I had some ideas about how things ought to be that were probably a bit off and just not healthy. So the first thing I'd like to talk about is clarifying what suffering really is from my perspective. Because let's be honest, I grew up in a rural town in eastern Canada, just outside of Toronto. People were really nice. Aside from it being really freezing cold in the wintertime and having to go through um, chipping snow off the car, for some reason, none of us up there had uh, garages, which <laughs> in and of itself, that's a very puzzling thing that you can grow up in a climate like that and it not occur to anyone to build homes with garages until uh, the 80s or the 90s or whatever. And so I guess you just get used to life as it is. And I recall, and this has absolutely nothing to do with where I'm eventually going to go with this commentary right now, but it's coming to my head. Eventually, uh, you are hired by your sister who gives you five dollars to to go out at six o'clock in the morning start the car up scrape all the snow off it drive it back and forth around in the driveway as much as you can 
just to get enough heat flowing through the car that there can be a tiny little circle out of which you can hopefully drive creating enough visibility so that you can see at least directly in front of you. I mean, forget seeing behind you, forget seeing beside you. That's, that's not happening in the middle of the winter time in Canada during the difficult winters. Um, and one of the things that was so funny, I live in Arizona now and shortly after I met and married my wife, um, we were at a friend's house and <laughs> she was talking about how incredibly freezing it was as she was in her car in Arizona having to drive off to college with a broken heater. And I'm just sitting there kind of taking the story in and listening. And um, <laughs> she says, yeah, we had a hole in the floor. It was so cold. I don't know how I ever made it through that terrible time. And I said, how cold was it? She's like, I don't know. It was probably 45, maybe 50 degrees, <laughs> which I found very amusing because it would be 20 below zero with an inch of ice frozen on a car that was parked out in two feet of snow. And we would somehow have to get into those cars and drive. So again, back to the original thing that I was talking about in part two of episode one is this idea of suffering. Uh, let me be clear. I did not physically suffer and I didn't suffer in the way that most of the world may view suffering. I didn't lack for food. I never had to live outside. I never feared for my life. I wasn't in a war-torn area. I wasn't in the areas that where people just really had a lot of physical suffering. And I want to be super clear that I understand that my suffering was not that. But just like my wife's friend talking about how freezing cold it was to drive that car, the only thing that she had to compare to that experience was her own experience. She couldn't somehow magically understand what we went through in Canada or what my Russian friends went through in Siberia or Moscow or my Norwegian or Swedish friends went through in Northern Sweden. She couldn't magically understand the challenge that they had in the cold that they lived in. So the cold that she experienced was the only cold she knew. And so when I talk about suffering, I'm talking about suffering from a very personal perspective. And the suffering that I experienced was the only suffering I knew. Because at 5, 6, 10, 15, 20, even 30 years old, I didn't have the capacity to experience what other people experienced. I only had my own experience to go from. So I hope I've been clear in that I'm not comparing in any way the suffering that I experienced 
it was mine. And if you're listening to this, whatever suffering you're experiencing, that's yours. And you don't have anything to compare it to except your own. And if you are suffering right now, I want you to know that it's my heartfelt desire that something in what I say in this podcast will somehow lend something to your own understanding and diminish the experience of the suffering that you're going through. Because I've experienced that for myself and it's changed what life is like. And that's available to all of us. And at the end of the first half of episode one, I I touched for a moment on hope. And it's my intent to return to hope somewhere during this recording. I hope I get there. I hope. There's no guarantee that I will because I may get sidetracked and talk about whatever comes up for me in the moment. But I think that towards the end of part two, which is now, I'm going to touch a little bit more deeply on hope and the value of hope and the extraordinary nature of hope and a little bit on where hope lives. But for right now, I want to go back to suffering. Suffering is to me, and this is a variation on many definitions that I've heard of suffering over the years, one particular by Byron Katie, who is a very well-known, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd call her a self-help guru, but she has something she does called the work. It's an extraordinary way of challenging your thinking and realizing that the things that you are thinking are not necessarily true. And there's so much value in understanding that. And we're going to get more deeply into that as time goes by. But for right now, I just want to address this idea of what I see suffering as, given the context of the life that I live. So suffering to me is having your experience be different than what you think or wish or hope your experience of life would be. And... There have been a number of individual occurrences and experiences in my life that have been drastically, drastically outside of what I had wanted them to be, thought they ought to be, hoped they would be. And those particular things were very, very challenging to me mentally and emotionally. And the biggest challenge with them is is that they continued to be even after they'd occurred. So some of the challenges that happened in my life, it didn't seem to me like they just happened one time. I relived them over and over multiple times every day throughout the course of my life and continually relive the suffering that was associated with those one-time occurrences as though they were occurring constantly for me all the time. And of course, as time goes by, those occurrences would add up and there would be more and more and more. And so they would eventually 
fill the space that my mind had available to itself to think thoughts so that my thoughts were just completely filled with the remembrances of failures, with the reliving of tragedy, with the feeling of not being enough, the feeling that I would never live up to this idealized version of myself that I thought I ought to be, that I really believed I should be. So it was this constant barrage of beliefs that just continually filled my mind. And so many times in the last couple of years when people have asked me, well, what was your experience of life like from a mental perspective? Because now you're, you're clearly doing so much better in your understanding things. And in the work that I do as a coach, a personal coach, a life coach, whatever you want to call it, I really don't care what it's called. In my perspective, the work of a coach serves one purpose. And really, that is what this entire podcast is going to be about. I realize that it's called People Who Suffer. It's called that because those are the people I want to help. Those are the people that I feel I understand better than any other group on the planet. If you were to say to me, Andrew, who do you understand and who would you like to help? It is always going to come back to me as to being whoever is suffering and whoever is suffering in a way that I understand it. Those are the people I want to help because I went through such an enormous part of my life believing that there was no hope, believing that it wasn't worth talking about or even letting people know that I was suffering because there was just no point. Like, what good is it going to do? Okay, so I feel horrible. And now I tell you how horrible I feel. And now you feel horrible and helpless. And now there's two of us. And so I just never wanted to be that person. I never wanted to bring that on people around me. So I just imagined to myself, okay, this is how it is. This is how I am. This is my identity. This is the challenge that I've been given in life. Some people have other challenges. I have a few challenges of my own, and this is one of them. And it's never going to change. But thankfully enough, when life is over, then way out there in the distance, um, I get to be rewarded with having successfully endured a life of emotional and mental misery. So that I realize is a very, very hopeful way to look at things. And I say that as sarcastically as one could say it. It wasn't a very functional way to look at things, but that is the way that I did it. So I can't even remember what I was talking about when I started down this path, but I think it had something to do with just understanding what suffering is, why I'm doing this, why I want to share these things. So Oh, now I remember. It was that I was talking momentarily about what my work as a coach is like, where I recognized finally, after an enormous number of years 
and an enormous amount of work, I recognized finally that there was hope. And I had some very, very specific experiences that I'm going to touch on in episode three. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to touch on them. I'm going to share them more clearly and more thoroughly and more openly than I probably ever have publicly with the intent that they help someone, you, whoever may be listening, to hear some things that shift, if only minutely, if only just a little bit, your experience of suffering. Because I believe that even if you can change your experience by just a few percentage points, let's say you suffer 1% or 2% less per week because of a shift in your understanding, then at the end of 52 weeks, you've cut your suffering at least by half. And so now now 50% of your life or 40% of your life or 60% of your life is happy or more than that, who knows? But that's what's available to us. And so um, in my work as a coach, I feel that there is one thing specifically that a coach ought to do. And it became very, very clear to me when I had a couple of experiences that I had. And that is that a coach is designed to guide someone to experience the truth of who they are. And I know that this is a very common thing that people talk about in my world that is inside the world of coaching and in the social circles that I run in at this point in my life and the the people that I'm acquainted with, a lot of us are really comfortable with talking about, you know, the truth of who we are and what really lies inside of us, having some awareness, some connection to that. But I think that outside of my particular social circle or circles where that conversation is very normal, I think that there are a lot of people who would have no idea what I'm talking about when I say that that a coach's responsibility is to guide someone to the truth of who they are. And the reason that I would say that is because in the work that I do, I'm often referred to people who are new, not just to the work, but certainly new to the way I work with it. And so I will start with a a very simple conversation about a couple of things that are going to make the work really helpful to them. And the first thing I do is I ask a question. I ask, are you open to the possibility? Just open to the possibility. I'm not asking that you believe it. I'm not asking that you say it's true. I'm not asking that you look at me and say, this guy knows something I don't know. None of that. I just ask the question because it lays a foundation for what we're going to do afterwards. And the question is this, and it relates very clearly to the definition of suffering that I shared a little bit earlier. I ask this question and say, are you open to the possibility that you are not your thinking, that you are not your thoughts. 
And to make that a little clearer right now, I think that what I had learned to do and what most people have learned to do in their experience of life is identify so fully with the beliefs they have that they think they are their beliefs. And when I look back on the beliefs that I had about myself prior to gaining the understanding that I have that has led me to share in the ways that I do, both as a coach and on this podcast and in trainings that I do, other things like that, man, those beliefs to me, they were so real. They were absolutely the identity I carried around with myself. I had a list of I am's that was so long and so firmly entrenched in my mind that there was no way anyone could have convinced me that I was something other than that list. And to give you just a couple of examples, let's say I am a procrastinator. I am a person who can't finish things. I am a person who lets people down. I am a person who has a hard time getting up in the morning. I'm not a morning person. I am, and I could go on with a massive list of these things. And they were primarily negative. And I carried them around with me. And I somehow had to navigate life Given that I'm not a morning person, how am I going to function in the mornings? Because I've got to get up. I've got a family. I have to make breakfast for them sometimes. I've got to see my kids off to school. I've got to take them places. I've got to go to work. I've got all sorts of things I have to do. But when the things I have to do don't align with who I am, well, those things seem pretty impossible. And then I get into this world of, I can't, I just can't, I can't. And so many mornings, that's what I woke up with. I can't, how can I do this? Okay, please keep in mind, this is only part two of episode one. This is going to get a lot happier and a lot more hopeful, but it's just super important for me to connect with the people that I want to help, to have you understand that I understand you, that the things that you feel and think about yourself You're not alone in those things. It's so interesting and fun. And it's only interesting and fun because I know what's coming afterwards. But it's it's interesting and fun when I'm in a session with someone I'm working with and I'm telling them about my own personal experience of suffering. And I'm seeing them nod their heads and go, Yeah, oh yeah, I get it. That's how that's how it is for me. And it's I just love to see that because then I know, I know that I can help because if somebody who was as firmly entrenched in their beliefs about themselves as I was, can shift their understanding and thereby shift their experience of life, then it's available to everyone. So I want to share a little bit more about hope at this point. Because once you've answered that question that I asked, can you possibly be on board? Are you open to the idea that you are not your thinking? Once that's been shared and once that's been accepted on some level, then there is a very, very 
obvious question that arises following that acceptance. And everyone answers the same way. I'll ask him that question. Are you open to the idea that you are not your thinking? And they'll all say, okay, yeah, I'm open to that. And so I'll say, well, what is the obvious question that arises for you if you are not your thinking? And the obvious question is, if I'm not my thinking, then who am I? And that is really the intent of this podcast. That is where the gold lies. That is where hope lies. Because when we start to come to an understanding of who we are, the feeling that we walk around with in life shifts. And one of my favorite things to do with people who have had difficult experiences of life, and it doesn't have to be that your life has been horrid. It could just be that one aspect of life creates an unpleasant feeling. And so you walk around with this unpleasant feeling until you understand where it comes from. And then you understand what lies underneath it when it isn't there. And that is the conversation that is so filled with hope. And the amount of hope that lives in that space is really immeasurable to our current understanding. We think we know what it is to be happy. We think we know what it is to feel love. We think we know what it is to feel gratitude. We think we know what it is to feel hope. And to a degree we do. Because you only need to feel a little bit of it to have it make a difference. And that is the conversation that I want to have as we go forward. I want to talk about this thing that we call hope. And I'm going to call it a bunch of different names because hope is just one word for it. We're going to get into things like language, what language really is trying to do, what it's describing. We're going to get into things like understanding characteristics of perfection, characteristics of who we want to be. Just basically, this can, this is going to be a deep dive into understanding those two questions, those two ideas. I'm not my thinking. And if I'm not my thinking, who am I? And I thank you for joining me on this. And I look forward to talking to you again in uh, upcoming episodes. So have a great day. Congratulations and thank you for making it to the end of this podcast. New episode will drop every Wednesday. And I hope that you'll stay on me with this journey towards suffering less and enjoying life more. Thanks a lot and bye for now.